this is Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a program about connections, international business, supply chains and globalization and the effects these developments have had on our life, our work and our travel over recent times. Today on Interlinks, we will be talking to Prem Kumar, who is the global supply chain and sustainability leader at IBM Global Services. Uh, Prem is an experienced management and technology consulting leader who advises the executive management teams of client companies through complex business and technology solutions implementation. Prem's professional career stretches back to the late 1990s, and he has been with IBM for uh, 12 years. Prem is originally from India, but he's lived for several years in Singapore and is now uh, based in Dublin since uh, 2020 and uh, delighted to have you here with us today Prem you're very welcome. Hey thanks thanks Patrick. So Prem, yeah, likewise so just to uh, get kicked off could you tell me a little bit in overview about your your background and your career to date? Okay sure so uh... I started off uh, as a chartered accountant by education uh, background. And when I looked at uh, my career, uh, it was starting off in audit and consulting uh, with uh, Deloitte, where I used to uh, get involved in the typical routine of uh, statutory audits, tax audits, internal audits, process improvements, right? Uh, any kind of uh, uh, business process, uh, re-engineering kind of uh, advisory engagements that were there initially. Mm -hmm. And when I completed my uh, education, surprisingly, I moved into uh, the information technology space. So I moved into one of the uh, product development companies in India where they were uh, moving on from uh, developing their ERP, which was in client-server-based architecture, to a service-oriented architecture. So they were moving in from the client server to the web application. So I was part of the development team, uh, around 40 plus uh, members of the product development team working on developing modules in the ERP space across finance, supply chain, manufacturing, uh, so on and so forth. So that's, that's how I started my career in IT, I should say where we went on to uh, uh, build the product. And then I was also involved in implementing these solutions to clients across the globe. So I started off in ERP, I should say. From then on, uh, I was involved in multiple roles, uh, being in product development, product management, within the ERP space across uh, the Indian IT services. And then I kind of uh, switched gears into the uh, exciting space of uh, business intelligence and analytics. So that's uh, that's a transition that I made while I've been in the uh, ERP implementation space, moving in from there uh, to get involved in the exciting space of data warehousing, BI analytics. So where I was focused on uh, providing solutions for clients, in the uh, enterprise performance management space, I should say. So that's how I started off with, which typically had uh, uh, solutions for clients uh, around planning, consolidation, statutory uh, reporting, so on and so forth. So that's where I started my uh, 
journey into uh, the uh, BI or the analytics space. From then on, I think uh, there's no looking back. Have been uh, playing multiple roles across uh, both the Indian uh, uh, global ID providers as well as uh, some of the American multinationals. So have been with IBM for about 12 plus years, you alluded to earlier, where I have uh, been part of the uh, global uh, center of competency initially. Um, which again focused on um, providing analytics-based solutions to clients, both in the uh, finance supply chain space, which is again cross-sector for us. So lots of people associate IBM with the personal computer, um, I guess, obviously enough. Um, but quite a few years ago now, IBM adopted a services a strategy that some people still might not be fully uh, aware of or familiar with. So what exactly does IBM Global Services do now? Okay. So uh, typically, yeah, um, uh, people think IBM is uh, mainly into hardware, but nevertheless, IBM has hardware providers, and then it also provides software and services. So I'm part of the arm, which is services arm. Um, it's been rebranded to IBM Consulting now. It used to be called Global Business Services before. So what we typically do is we advise clients in their overall journey across various uh, areas. So be it business transformation services, be it hybrid cloud management that they would want to embark on. So varied kind of services provided across a spectrum of uh, portfolios that we have. So we're not just the hardware uh, sellers. We also provide typical consulting services for our clients across the globe. And your uh, job title now is Global Supply Chain and Sustainability Leader. So what are your main responsibilities in, in that role? And, and what is the sustainability element to the role? Okay. So uh, I'm part of uh, one of the uh, organizations within IBM Consulting called uh, Solutioning. So we uh, play a role in the pre-sale cycle where we typically work with our sellers and our clients in terms of providing solutions to our clients across various uh, areas that I just talked about uh, before. So my role within global solutioning is to focus or provide services in the area of supply chain and sustainability, uh, which is again uh, to do with uh, products that IBM has in terms of the capabilities that we're talking about in supply chain, but also working with our uh, ecosystem partners in terms of looking at what's the client landscape and typically what are their uh, investment priorities. So we work in both providing services that are focused around IBM technologies plus non-IBM technologies. So let's say, for example, in the area of supply chain, uh, a customer wants to embark on a next-gen uh, uh, planning uh, functionality. And we would look at that as a pure play consultative uh, client, look at what kind of investments do they have and advise them in terms of which could be the best technology that is suited given their current profile and their overall vision and goals. So that's, that's typically my profile uh, within uh, IBM Consulting now, within Global Solutions. 
Okay. And uh, you, you're originally from southern India, as we said uh, earlier. You, you've lived and worked in uh, Singapore, and now you've been here in Ireland for a couple of years. So uh, with that experience, what kind of attributes do you think are needed to be successful working internationally in, in that way? And how has living and working outside India changed you over the years? I wouldn't. Uh, so the way I would probably uh, answer that is even while in India, um, I have played global roles. So have been uh, uh, a consultant uh, all through my life. So have been traveling, advising clients across the globe, um, wherever needed. But I would say that uh, being in the global role based out of India versus some of the regional roles that I have played, uh, gives you the dimension that is needed to look at it from a different perspective, right? So while you are servicing clients from India, uh, it's it's a different lens that you have that you have or it's a different hat that you wear. But being in the market, working very closely with the clients and then providing uh, services that are uh, relevant to them uh, makes even more sense, right? So the the different roles that I've played have actually given me that perspective and dimension to look at it from different uh, lenses. And that has probably helped me uh, play different roles within IBM, I should say, or even in some of the earlier organizations that I have worked before. And what has been most um, different or uh, unusual for you coming to live in Ireland, having always lived and worked in in well, India, Singapore? So I guess it's it's Asia of one, one part of Asia or another part of Asia. <laughs> I think um, that there are many, but I'll probably call out two things, right? So one is the culture. The second is the, definitely the weather. So I, I transitioned into Dublin uh, during the pandemic and in in a way, uh, moving during the COVID uh, pandemic has been more of a blessing for me rather than, uh, <laughs> I should say, a, a detractor. Uh, it helped me uh, kind of settle with my family at ease given the way we used to work, uh, working from home, right? So IBM has been, as a company, been used to hybrid work, even I should say 10 years before. So IBM was able to uh, quickly transition and move most of the uh, work that was done uh, uh, in a hybrid way to complete remote, I think without uh, much, without much uh, hindrance at all. So that kind of helped me. And I'm, I'm kind of uh, getting to understand the European ways of working now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, your your clients typically, what kind of um, custom, what kind of companies are they, and what would you say uh, about how they are better off after working with you? Okay, so the the the, the client organizations fall under different uh, tiers, uh, as we may call. So. It could be uh, one of the top uh, 500 uh, uh, in the world, or even companies that are embarking on their uh, digital transformation or supply chain transformation or sustainability initiative. It could even be in a a small and medium segment as well. So our clients are very varied, uh, depending on the journey that they would want to embark on, we kind of uh, work with multitude of clients, so across sectors. So be it uh, pharmaceutical, be it uh, a CPG company, 
be it a manufacturing company. So depending on the kind of solutions that they're looking for and what we can provide to them, it's 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 across the board, I should say. So it's kind of really varied. I, I, I noticed when I was doing some uh, research on some of the services that IBM talks about, intelligent workflows and smart supply chains. Mm-hmm. So could you give us an, an example of, of, of what they are and what maybe it takes for an organization to move from the conventional way of doing things in terms of uh, supply chains and workflows to that kind of intelligent and smart future? Okay. So... In my view, uh, in my personal view, I should say, the best supply chains are ones with the highest resiliency, right? So if you look at the traditional uh, supply chains, they are kind of built with uh, structured and defined set of processes, right? So when you think of resiliency, I would say that uh, the workflows that are there should be more fluid and flexible, and it should be able to adjust to the changing dynamics, as we have seen with the COVID-19 pandemic, right? So you don't know uh, what is gonna hit you unless you know there is this particular link that's gonna break and you don't know that, right? So intelligent workflows play a kind of a a major role there in terms of uh, kind of connecting all these dots, I should say. So typically what happens is that uh, it is an orchestration of uh, multiple things, automation, AI, analytics, and the skills that are needed uh, to fundamentally change or look at how the work gets done. So they are, in my view, again, different from the typical processes that you will have. They are the backbone of any organization. The processes are the backbone of any organization, but I would say that uh, intelligent workflows are like the nervous system. It kind of extracts information, um, senses the demand that is needed for you to do your job well and then respond to the right people at the right time, thus helping make the right decisions, right? So intelligent workflows align and integrate all these different processes within your overall uh, ecosystem. And that's that's the kind of benefit or advantage that comes up with uh, leveraging intelligent workflows in many of the uh, large transformational opportunities that we have. 93.9, Dublin South FM. What role do the emerging technologies, say uh, technologies like uh, cloud computing, the internet of things, AI, blockchain, big data and analytics, what role do they play and which of those technologies do you think are maybe the most significant ones? Okay, so um, um, there's been a recent study by Gartner that said uh, artificial intelligence, the business value that it will create is two and a half times uh, amounting to about USD 5 trillion by 2025. If you look at some of the other emerging technologies, uh, for example, IoT, right? Um, Again- Internet of Things, right? Internet of Things, yes, thank you. Internet of Things and blockchain are again anticipated as, I should say, game changers, revolutionizing different sectors at play today. So I would say that 
AI, Internet of Things, blockchain are some of the emerging technologies that are being tried and tested by different sectors across a multitude of uh, use cases, I would say. And they are being tested as we speak now, which again um, looks at, uh, for example, uh, how do I uh, implement a food supply solution for a smarter and a safer food system? One, one example of a use case that you might see, which again is something first of a kind where you're bringing in not just this from a single organization's point of view, but bringing in the multi-enterprise networks. Uh, it's a network of networks. So it is gonna be industry-wide where people are looking at, hey, I'm not looking at it this from my company's perspective, but how, how do I transform my industry? working with many of the players or ecosystems that I always truly and uh, very well connect to, right? And that is the change that I'm seeing in the recent past several years where there are POCs, pilots that are being done to really test and prove the value that it will create in helping uh, not just companies, but humans at large. And what do you envision the global supply chains will look like, say, from the point of view of from that technology perspective in the future when, when these technologies are kind of everywhere, when they're ubiquitous? So let's say, I don't know how long, maybe five years, maybe seven years, maybe 10 years. What will, what will those future supply chains look like? I think uh, digital transformation should be the key for many of these uh, supply chains to react and respond to uh, market events that are happening rapidly around us, right? So if you look at, uh, if, if I uh, break the overall uh, supply chain uh, landscape, you have uh, a typical uh, planning capabilities that you need to bring to the uh, front. You also need to also look at uh, how do I execute my operations and how do I integrate all my operations across the uh, gamut of uh, supply chain, right? Right from the procurement of raw materials to how it is being delivered to a, a customer. There are so many intermediaries in between, right? That I need to manage both efficiently and also understand if there is an uh, blockage in one of the uh, nodes, how do I even uh, ascertain that upfront, right? Rather than waiting for the event to happen, how can I predict some of these events, right? Uh, so it, it again spans across multitude of uh, technologies or capabilities. So you would need analytics, you would need, uh, uh, I would say, automation to be there. You would need to probably look at how do I bring or uh, embark on a digital transformation that again helps in having the data that is needed to help transform every single organization from where they are today to where they are where, where they want to be, right? So I think that will be my view uh, in terms of it's 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 a it's an ever changing landscape, I should say. If you look at even blockchain, um, uh, there are 
so many new technologies that are coming in today, which will again come uh, in the next two, three years, right? Because it is being tried, tested, uh, and proven to see what kind of value that it adds uh, in my overall journey. Mm-hmm. It sounds it sounds like that. Say, for example, uh, you have companies that have capability in the using AI to analyze uh, lots of complex data of supply chain events that are happening around the world, and they're able to advise uh, to improve decisions or maybe even automate some types of decisions. It sounds like the gap between those companies that are able to make that transition quickly and effectively, and those that don't, the, the gap between the best and the rest is probably going to get wider, right? It sounds like that. It, it is it is wider today. <laughs> so what, what we are seeing is while uh, everybody talks about digital transformation, it's, it's, it's not easy, right? So you need to also have the right set of budgets and investments that uh, you have to uh, provide to embark and successfully lead all these transformations. So what I, what what we are seeing is when we are talking to the line of business owners, there is a immediate need for them to uh, integrate all the capabilities that they would need in the supply chain. But you're not you're not going to uh, implement all of that in one go, right? So you take a step by step approach in terms of uh, looking at what is the immediate pressing need for me, what is the area that I should focus on, finish that. Uh, first, right? And then scale from there. So the kind of model that we work on is when we start to work with clients, uh, we co-create work with them to understand what the pain points are. And then uh, we uh, move into the co-execute phase, working alongside them and then implementing some of the immediate real challenges that they need. It could be a minimum viable product that's needed in the uh, short term, and then look at uh, how do we cooperate as we move on. So that's the kind of uh, model that uh, we typically work on when we work with our clients. So it's it's not uh, one size fits all. It it varies by clients, by sectors, but that's that's our go-to uh, model. Yeah, I would, I, and again, when I was looking at some of the uh, doing some of the research. And I, IBM, we're talking about pursuing uh, both efficiency and resiliency. And you, you mentioned resilient, resi- resiliency earlier in this um, uh, interview. And we know that you know companies have been focused on on efficiency forever, or or at least they say they, they say they are, whether whether they actually are or not is another thing. But but now, in the wake of all the, the disruptions such as the trade wars and natural disasters and COVID and war. As you said, companies are advocating the pursuit of resiliency. But it seems on the face of it that pursuing efficiency and and resiliency at the same time implies some sort of a conflict or a a trade-off because they kind of go against each other, don't they? So how how have you seen this kind of manifest itself in the real world when executives are trying to make decisions about these trade-offs. Have you seen that? And how, how does that how does that happen in the real world? So again, um, um, you touched upon it. So it's 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 again not uh, you you're not going to uh, accomplish everything at one go. So depending again on their, uh, I would say uh, immediate need, we either target uh, to look at what are the key drivers that they're looking for and which are the ones that we need to uh, uh, 
uh, tackle on. So, for example, um, in the area of supply chain, you would have supply chain risk management, right? So, while if the client has a good capability around their uh, uh, planning solution, and then they are looking at understanding what is the linkage that's going to break and how do I kind of mitigate that, then they embark on the uh, risk and resiliency aspect of how do I better uh, prepare and uh, leverage the operations that I need to hold. So that's one view. But if you're looking at um, efficiency, again, both of this may or may not go together at one go. So you focus on the near term, immediate need, and then try to do whatever you can accomplish given the various uh, parameters that you need to cover and then move on to the other uh, aspect uh, later on. So even in large transformations, it again takes about five to seven years for them to get to where they want. But the immediate MVP that we're looking at is probably in the near term, which is like eight months, what, what kind of business value that I can add to my client and then really focus on that, which probably gives them uh, a way to move faster in a specific set of capabilities that they were looking for and then move on as, as they progress. Okay, as we come into the last uh, few minutes of the uh, interview, I might ask you some questions that are not work-related, just just about okay. just about you as a person. So when you're not working and so on, what kind of things do you like to do in your spare time? Mm, I typically um, uh, go for a walk with my spouse, um, then play with my kids. And are that's, you, that's the kind of routine that I have. <laughs> sure. And uh, are you are you reading or listening to anything um, lately? You know, like uh, ebooks or audiobooks, podcasts that, that you would recommend that you find inspiring. Um, I use Blinkist app. Um, given the uh, uh, digital revolution, um, it kind of uh, gives you, in a nutshell, a particular story or a book in an about 10 to 15 minutes time frame. So you can listen to uh, some of the stories that you're looking for across various range of topics. But I have been advised or recommended a book by one of my uh, friend. It's called uh, Atomic Habits that I've just started to go through. Uh, so what, what it actually does is it gives you an uh, uh, easy and proven way to build good habits and break the bad ones. So I think that's, that's I, I, I liked, <laughs> I liked uh, this particular one really well. And I'm, I'm just uh, looking at uh, what, what, what's there in it for me. I'm sure it is relevant for all of us. We do have uh, the bad ones. How, how do you get out of that? Yeah, it sounds, sounds good. Bad habits. <laughs> sounds interesting. There's another book called The Power of Habit. I think it's by, I think it's Charles Tuhigg. The power okay. of habit, which is actually actually very good as well, and okay. uh, helps you to slowly build up the uh, the good habits and and whittle away the bad ones. So yeah, that that's, yeah, that's so good. Good for this all. This one of us. is by uh, James Clear. Um, Atomic Habits. Excellent, James Clear. Atomic Habits. What did you say the name of the app was that you mentioned? Um, Blinkist. Blinkist. Okay, excellent. So where can people find out more about um, IBM Global Services and particularly the supply chain side of uh, your services? If they're looking at uh, the global website of IBM, they would probably uh, get a view of what sort of uh, 
solutions we have in the uh, supply chain space and even sustainability space. Um, so you would have dedicated uh, pages for the type of solutions that we provide, the kind of products that are there across both uh, supply chain and sustainability. So we've made some recent acquisitions in the sustainability space now, which is called NVZ. Uh, so we are leveraging uh, capabilities of NVZ plus our IBM consulting uh, capabilities that we're taking to the market in terms of uh, providing services across uh, the uh, ESG space. Excellent, Prem. It's been an absolute pleasure. So I uh, wish you the very best for the future, both professionally and personally. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Patrick. And thanks also to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, keep well and stay safe until next time.